All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Fancy What Podcast. My name is Jonathan Sousa, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Ben Wexelman. Ben, how's it going, man? I'm doing really well. Uh, you know, th- this is a perfect evening, actually, for this type of podcast, and uh, especially for the one that we have named, Fantasy What? Because whenever I explain to people that we are going to be talking about CFL, they respond, What? So this is going to be very perfect and uh, definitely looking forward to this discussion this evening. Well, the man that is going to be providing all of the knowledge on this podcast, because let's just face it, Ben W. and I are just straight CFL donkeys. So we had to bring in someone who actually knows what he's talking about. Uh, And we're very lucky to have one of the sharpest CFL DFS minds in the industry on the podcast with us this evening. Uh, We are joined by Mr. Ben Kramer, who is the head of CFL content over at DailyRoto.com. Uh, ben Kramer, how's it going this evening, fella? Doing real good. It's a beautiful day here in Saskatchewan. The Riders won their game tonight. It kind of killed my DFS quarterback, but hey, you can't win them all, right? It's still fun. No, you cannot, but uh, we are, uh, we're we're going to enjoy talking about some CFL with you tonight, my friend. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, you bet, guys. All righty. Well, um, you know, I, I think a good place for us to start, Ben, uh, I know that if someone is listening to this podcast right now, uh, a podcast, obviously, about CFL DFS, there's a, a pretty good shot that they already know who you are and kind of what your story is. Uh, but just in case we have some people out there who may be unfamiliar with your name, uh, if you could kind of give us a little bit of a background into, you know, how you got into DFS. I know you have a really, really interesting story that I'm sure a lot of our uh, listeners will find incredibly captivating. So uh, we'll give you the floor here for a couple of minutes. Sure. It's just kind of the standard story of the guy who goes off to seminary, gets master's studies in theology and philosophy, and turns to sports gambling to be able to make life work, right? It's a standard <laughs> issue. I think that's yep. where most of the guys at Daily Roto came from at some point in time. So I'm just kind of filling out the rest of the stuff like the rest of them did. But yeah, no, I started playing fantasy sports with my family when I was about five years old or so. We did family hockey drafts with just the four of us, and I remember getting Cam Neely and Wayne Gretzky and some of these guys when I was old playing from there so we did those we played fantasy football when i was in high school and college and all these kind of things on down the line until i like i said got my degree and became a minister for a dozen years and finally just kind of gave up on that after life was a little bit too ridiculous and difficult with church people and so i moved on and took up full-time daily fantasy sports stuff so i knew when the uh, radio told me back about three years ago when i was taking my kids to my school that DraftKings was picking up CFL contests for the coming season that I'd have an opportunity into finally writing some content instead of just reading other people's fantasy football magazines. And I got in touch with the message boards on Daily Roto and they were starting to figure out what they could do for CFL content after college fantasy football died. May it rest in peace. And so we got into trying to put together some idea of what it would look like to build CFL lineups successfully. And over the last couple of years, we've produced a bunch of different articles detailing what the CFL game looks like and how it plays differently. And we've progressed from doing little bits and pieces to now having full sets of projections on a weekly basis and figuring out how we can win some money playing CFL fantasy football. That's awesome. And and like you said, it, it does indeed play uh, quite a bit differently from the American game. You know, so for those individuals that you know are very used to playing NFL, DFS, you know, what are those differences that they're going to see as they start tuning into CFL and sweating through those games? 
Yeah, like the first thing that they'll have to figure out is that you get only three downs instead of four. It's the same forward passing and rushing games that you see in NFL on t- offense, but you only get a couple of downs before you have to punt instead of three. So in an NFL game, they can do a whole lot of damage with just a strong rushing attack and a strong offensive line that can kind of move the ball laboriously down the field. But in the CFL, if you only get two or three yards of carry on for down, you're in second and long and you need an eight-yard pass or you're two and out and off the field again. So it plays a lot differently. It's a little bit faster paced in that sense. It's a lot larger field. You get an extra 10 yards from goal line to goal line, and I think it's about eight yards wider from sideline to sideline as well. So when you get some of those smaller guys who are really quick that can't quite cut in the NFL because they just get destroyed by big linemen and linebackers, they have a lot more space to run in the CFL field. There's some kind of a second opportunity to pick up their football careers. A lot of those guys make their trip north of the border and find success. The other ones, they've got 12 men on the field instead of just of 11. So you see a little bit more bodies running into each other in the larger field. You see shorter play clocks in between, so the game moves a bit quicker because they only get 20 seconds between plays instead of 40. You see the opportunity to review penalties for pass interference, which drives most of us fans crazy because they still never get it right, and it just kind of clogs up the game, but it is a thing. And you wind up seeing a lot of issues with bad players winding up being starters on teams because they're Canadian. No. <laughs> That's kind of part of the way that the rules of the league work is you have to have seven starters out of your 24 players that have to be Canadian born and raised to be able to field a team each week. So you see some guys who wind up with starting positions on a weekly basis that don't ever produce anything fantasy-wise but still get to start week after week just because of where they were born. So there's a few frustrations for a lot of people wondering why there's guys who are at minimum salaries on a weekly basis and get a couple targets here and there and a lucky touchdown and all of a sudden they're everybody's darling when the reality is they might only see one or two targets a game for the rest of the year. So knowing where players are and where they line up on the field makes a lot more difference than just being in starting lineups. I mean, Ben, if you're if you're going to call out Jerome Messam on this podcast, just just call him by name. I mean, his carcass keeps running around and he's I feel like he's one of the only Canadian running backs left in the league, no? Yeah, he's the human battering ram, just 2 yards and fall forward for as far as he can reach. Right? It's unfortunate. There's a time in his career when he was exceptionally good, but he's getting up there to his mid 30s now and he just kind of falls forward for his three yards and hopes to fall into the end zone eventually. There's a few other real talented Canadian right. stars. Like Andrew Harris is a Canadian. He's probably the best back in the league. And you get the odd Canadian receiver that comes through once every four or five years. It kind of sets the league on fire. You had Andy Ventus, who just retired tonight, who was an all-Canadian and really an all-world receiver up here for a couple of years. But overall, a lot of the Canadian talent, they try and hide on the offensive linemen and defensive line and safeties and special teamers, but they still need them to fill up roster spots. Right now, that uh, that definitely makes sense, and it's a it's a really interesting wrinkle to the the Canadian game. Um, really, the differentiators to the NFL are uh, or even college football are, are, are kind of substantial. So appreciate you kind of giving us that rundown there. Um, so why don't we transition into a little bit of uh, CFL DFS strategy specifically? Uh, and the first thing that I want to kind of talk about with you, Ben, is. Uh, I know you and I have actually been speaking for a while, whether it be on the old Daily Roto forums or in uh, in Slack chat now. And uh, I know you've kind of gone on record in saying that the CFL is more of a, a GPP sport than a cash one. Um, if you wouldn't mind just taking a little bit of time to kind of elaborate on that, because I personally come from the mindset and believe that, you know, every sport can be a cash sport if you kind of put your mind towards it and do your research. Uh, but, you know, even if you kind of have the tools that you guys have at Daily Roto and you're using those on a week in and week out basis, um, from what I gather from you, it still might not be
be worth your time to kind of pursue those cash games. So you mind elaborating on that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Everybody gets to play their own game, right? Like I started out back a couple years ago with these CFL contests and I was playing mostly cash games because, hey, 50-50s mean 50% of the people win money instead of only 20% of them, right? But the reality was it was really hard to get enough volume to make it worthwhile, whether it was in head-to-head lobbies. And if you were playing in the big double-ups and such, quite often it came down to four or five guys that were in just about every lineup. And then it would just be 1v1s or 2v2s that would decide who was winning the money on a given week. And I just got tired of that. The reality is, for me, fantasy sports is partly about money, but partly it's about just having fun, too. I love the Canadian game, and so it's a easy fit to get into playing these fantasy games alongside of it. And it's just nice to see that you have a whole lot more dollars at the end of the cash line if you're playing the GPPs than just some of these cash games that are hard to find enough volume to make it worthwhile for especially if you're just depending on one lineup for all of them yep no that's a wonderful that's a wonderful point ben and you know i i think really it just comes down to what you're trying to get out of it like you said you know john and i are both also here kind of for for the entertainment as well you know we we enjoy sports both uh you know definitely looking to find an edge in in what we do and which is why we're playing cfl and and which is why you know, we're utilizing the the Daily Roto product, but at the same time, you know, w- we want to sweat some of this stuff out, but but have fun watching it. And so, you know, I think that makes a ton of sense. Is you know, for each individual person, they should you know just find what their goal is out of it at the end of the day, and and you know, utilize a strategy that works in alignment with that. Yeah, why you want to play the games and enjoy them to the maximum that you can for what you want to get out of them. There's always ways that pretty much anybody can get into it. It's just a matter of making sure that you keep doing what you enjoy, and then you'll keep coming back with some money along the way. Awesome. All right. Well, um, one of the things that, you know, being a GPP sport uh, with CFL, um, there there could be some strategies that players that are really familiar with NFL DFS that might bring over to CFL and uh, they could potentially work, but some of them oftentimes fail. Um, So things like, you know, maybe paying up for running back or, you know, targeting defensive special teams units uh, strictly for points allowed instead of turnover opportunities. Uh, Ben, what are some things that you think maybe translate well from the NFL to CFL game and maybe some things uh, conversely that don't translate as well? I think some of the stacking strategies certainly can carry over from NFL. I know Colin Drew from Daily Road has written some really good articles about what the winning lineups in large field GPPs usually look like. And quite often they're at least single stacks and often double stacks with QB wide receivers. And even looking at some of the more unconventional stacks like running back and defense special teams. And finding correlation with CFL games is super important because they're all small slates. At the biggest, you're going to get a four-game slate, and a lot of them are single-game or two-game slates. And so you're going to need lineups that correlate because it's usually going to be those one or two games that have the most scoring that wind up producing the winning lineups for any given weekend. So figuring out which games are going to be the ones that are going to be your max point getters and then stacking up those lineups with even running backs stacked with quarterbacks, and that's something that's kind of an NFL no-no for those who've played the NFL games, because usually game scripts go either you're going to be run heavy 
and the running back gets the pointer, it's going to be passed. They'll be playing from behind, and the quarterback and receivers get the points. But a lot of running backs in the Canadian game get half a dozen targets or more in a game, and really you're better off treating them kind of like receivers to get some rushing carries than thinking of them in the traditional sense of running backs that might get a couple of targets. The running backs in the CFL at most usually get 12 or 13 carries in a game in the running game, again, just because you need to get so many more yards per play to be able to keep your offense on the field. So there's a lot of those stacking strategies that certainly carry over, but some of those ones, like being willing to stack a running back regularly with your quarterback, can certainly work out a lot too. And the interesting little wrinkle that you get with CFL is they started offering points to return men as well. So quite often you'll get those one point or 20 yards that give you a little bit extra if you can get a receiver who also does the return duties for his team and stack a receiver with the defense special teams and double up if he gets a return touchdown there's some unconventional stacks that make a big difference in small slates yeah for sure and uh you know I, I think one other strategy that might be kind of foreign for people just kind of hopping into uh cfl dfs and uh Ben W, you can maybe elaborate on this as well, because I know that this is kind of your first year grinding CFL, CFL uh, DFS kind of full time. Um, but I think that there's this notion in NFL where you can generally pay down at the quarterback position. There always seems to be, you know, a, a, on a relative salary scale, a, you know, a 5.5K to 6K quarterback any given Sunday that you can plug into your cash lineup and they can be a pretty reliable source of fantasy points and help you kind of spend up for studs elsewhere where, where in the CFL um, generally the, the highest price players on each slate are quarterbacks because, you know, while they are having a higher salary, they do have the highest floors um, in, in terms of accruing fantasy points on that slate. So um, maybe we'll start with uh, Ben W was that kind of a, uh, a transition for you as you started kind of playing CFL more this year. And then Ben K, if you want to kind of follow that up with any uh, thoughts that you have after uh, Ben, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it, it was an interesting transition. Although, you know, it's, it's funny how these showdown environments kind of all collide because I got very used to paying up for pitchers in MLB showdown and having to look for, you know, value spots. And I feel like it's actually kind of similar in CFL where you pay up for that quarterback and then you look for value and say a running back or as, as uh, Ben Kramer mentioned, you look for some of these return guys that are really cheap that, you know, can maybe get you a touchdown or get you a, a decent run back that, that will accrue some yardage and you're in a decent overall spot. So it's funny how the, the showdown sports kind of collide, but uh, I, I found the transition to be easier just given the fact that I, I was playing you know, MLB Showdown on such a frequent basis that um, yeah, I, I seem to draw a parallel there to uh, CFL. Yeah, it's interesting. Like Right now in CFL, DFS, it's interesting because the game has started at the same time that the CFL has kind of a generational talented quarterback. And we have Mike Riley on a regular basis each week that prices out Two or three thousand dollars more than anyone else at the position in kind of the mid eleven thousands, compared to eight or nine for just about every other starter. But his floor is legitimately ten points higher than just about any other quarterback in between passing touchdowns and rushing yards that he accrues. It's so hard to imagine building positive lineups that are going to win on a regular basis unless you're using him. So you learn to find these values at other spots and be okay with eight points out of your running back sometimes because you're going to get forty five out of Mike Riley quarterback that week. It's just kind of the opportunity to learn a different mentality. I know one of the things that shocked me when CFL contest started 
with just how different the pricing was that uh, quarterbacks are so much more expensive and running backs. Like there's not too many times on NFL DFS lineups that you're going to have three running backs in your lineup all over 8K on a weekly basis. And yet this week, that's exactly where I'm at building CFL lineups and just looking at a cheaper quarterback and a bunch of cheap receivers because they all have terribly low floors and their ceilings aren't really that much better than any of the running back options. It's just getting used to what the pricing is that DraftKings gives you on a regular week. Because I remember the first season for CFL DFS that it was kind of a donkey move to use more than one running back in a lineup because the prices were so egregiously high on running backs and receivers were so much cheaper that it just made sense to build lineups backwards in that sense where it's totally flipped in the way that they put together pricing in the last year and a half or so that pretty much every week you're using as many running backs as they'll let you and then building through whatever wide receivers you have left to scrape through yeah i I remember in the very early days of uh, cfl dfs ben i was like making a note of people in the in the lobby when i would play them head to head that would play multiple running backs in their lineups and i would make a point to you know, take their games every week because that was such a suboptimal strategy based on the pricing back then. And now it's completely flipped. Like if I don't see somebody playing Andrew Harris on a, on a weekend and week out basis, like there, you know, I I've noticed that Andrew Harris's floor is significantly higher than any other positional player uh, in the league. And it it just, there's hardly, he's almost, I I would hesitate to say that he's matchup proof, um, but it's, it's starting to seem that way. So I, I think that he's getting close to being a cash lock every single week. So it's really kind of interesting how the uh, the pricing has changed and really the uh, the product has evolved over time. Yeah, and every year they make a few changes to the way you construct lineups too. I remember the first year it was one running back, three wide receivers, and one flex spot. And then last year they switched over to having one running back, two receivers, and two flex spots. And every year they seem to have some new wrinkle, like this year adding in all the showdown contests and trying to get away from the classic build. So, yeah, every year DraftKings has a new idea how they're going to fix CFL DFS, and it'd be great if they'd just leave it alone for a little while. Yeah, for sure. Um, real quick, uh, before we kind of move on to our last topic here, uh, what are your thoughts on showdown? I know Ben and I did a podcast before this around MLB showdown, and I encourage you, if you haven't listened to that, go back and uh, listen to it. It was a, it was a fun little conversation. But what are your thoughts on CFL DFS showdown as, uh, as it exists right now? I know we've only had it for about – four or five weeks, or I guess six weeks now. Um, but, you know, what do you like about it? What do you not like about it? And then, uh, Ben W., I know you've been playing a lot of CFL Showdown as well, so if you want to give your thoughts after uh, Ben Kramer, go feel, feel free to go ahead. Yeah, I, I've i played most of the Showdown slate to this point in the season. I didn't really think that I did because it's a little bit different. The NFL Showdown slates, at least, they offered you IDPs, individual defensive players, so it led to a little bit less overlap in lineups, but... When they started out showdown slates for CFL this year, I think they were still looking for about 8,000 lineups in the largest GPP. And I think first place that first weekend had 600 dupes of first place or something like that because it was just ridiculous. You have a player pool you're working with of legitimately 10 to 15 players that you expect to use and maybe 20 that you could push the edges if you're playing multi entry. And even last week when the biggest contest was about 3,000 entries, I won it, but I had, I think, Eight other people duped my lineup, and it wound up with me losing money, finishing second in the GPP. So it was a $27 contest, and I got back $24 for second place because we had 10 or 12 of us that tied for second out of whatever it was, 200 people. So it has its positives and its negatives in that it's interesting. You get the opportunity to play a few more slates on CFL as opposed to like previous seasons when you only have one or two slates on a given weekend. 
but there's a little bit more frustration in that given most people don't know any of the individual defensive players, DraftKings chose to just go the team defense route, and it leads to a whole lot more duplicate lineups in these contests. So I think if you're playing cash games, there's probably a little bit of edge to be had there using projections and figuring out what you're going to make. But in the GPPs, there's just so many duplicates that it makes it hard to get too excited about at this point. It's funny that you talk about it that way, uh, Mr. Kramer, seeing as though you've won practically every week, it seems like. But, uh, <laughs> but it should have been more. Yeah, no, and and, and, and that's fair. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, I, look, I, I, I definitely agree with what Ben said. Uh, showdown CFL compared to showdown in a lot of other sports is is quite different, given the fact that the, the player pool is pretty pretty small. And so you do worry about those uh, those overlaps and uh, just duping a bunch of lineups. Um, and, and if you're if you're actively trying not to dupe, then uh, I think you're making pretty poor lineup decisions, actually. Uh, and, and so that's the issue is by by trying to be contrarian, uh, you're actually just making dumb plays. And, and so it uh, ends up not working out in, at the end of the day. But those classic contests, I mean, uh, there's a whole lot of edge there. And um, as John had alluded to previously, you know, Andrew Harris is an exceptional play pretty much week in, week out. Um, although he didn't do so hot, Tonight, I, I think Brandon Banks is another guy uh, that it is a really strong play a lot of weeks. I mean, Ben, you, you said this as you discussed uh, just kind of the overall game dynamics as a whole. You get those really uh, small, fast receivers uh, th- that maybe w- would get jammed uh, in the NFL or, or wouldn't have too much success, but they're able to come to the CFL and run all over the field. and. That's Brandon Banks in a nutshell. Uh, he's he's really able to to kind of take the take the cap off the defense and has that big play upside. So I think he's a guy that that you can kind of roster on a weekly basis and uh, and be pretty happy with it at the end of the day. Yeah, there's always going to be those kinds of players that just weren't a fit for the NFL game in the bigger bodies and smaller fields that when they get a little bit more space to move in the CFL, they've got a second life, right? Like you've even got some guys like Eric Rogers who were kind of all world players in the CFL, went and tried the NFL, broke both knees and a hammy and uh, two blinks of an eye and then came back to the league here again three years down the road and stepped right in like he had never even left and started putting up touchdowns and 100-yard games all over again. So some people are just built more for the CFL style of game and the CFL side of the field. The guys like Eric Rogers, especially when they come back into the league, wind up being really underpriced for the first number of weeks just because they haven't been around the CFL for a while and there's a lot of edge just knowing who some of these returning players are in any given week. I remember last season, Darrell Walker came back from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and he had been a 9K player previous season but because he missed the first half of the year they just straight mispriced him for a month and he came back in around five thousand dollars and if you knew who he was and who the name was and what he could do you just kind of rode that one all the way up the ladder until they had him properly priced again and we're only a couple of weeks away until we'll start seeing some of those nfl cuts returning to the league again and probably if you keep your eyes out in the lobbies and if you keep your eyes out when they release the csvs for pricing each week you'll see some of those names pop up that deserve to be priced a lot higher that if you know the game and know where they came from that you'll have a significant edge just being able to put in the names that are underpriced 
I can't wait to play Brandon Zilstra at like 4.5K when he comes back. It's going to be very exciting. It's going to be very exciting. That'll be the day, right? Yeah, being able to stack up Duke Williams at 9K and Zilstra at 4 with Riley at 11.5 and, and just ride that into the sunset for a week. I cannot wait. Um, I, I do want to touch on that real quick. Um, I know you kind of have a, a, a semi-love affair with Duke Williams, and I know when he entered the league last year, uh, we knew the upside that he could present. Um, but I know there were a lot of mouths to feed in Edmonton with Adarius Bowman still there. And then obviously uh, Zilstra and then Darrell Walker coming back midseason. Uh, but Duke has really kind of blossomed into arguably the best receiver in the CFL this year. So what are your thoughts on Duke? Like, do you think that this is the type of player that he's going to be going forward? Or is he really just kind of caught lightning in a bottle here? And, you know, is there some type of regression that's going to come in his game? Yeah, he's this good. <laughs> I'll, I'll take Dylan Cooper's word for it. He's been a big <laughs> Duke Williams guy right from the time that he saw that he signed with the Eskimos. And he was kind of saying all along, if Duke gets the opportunities and the targets, he's going to turn it into something amazing. And really, we were riding that horse most of last season. If they just put Duke Williams in the slot instead of out there at the field, far wide receiver, 35 yards away from the quarterback, that he could be fantasy gold. And it didn't happen last year and didn't happen last year. Again, just because they had so much depth at the receiver position. But having lost a couple starters in the offseason, they finally decided, hey, we should give that Duke Williams guy a shot in the slot. And he did. And it's been amazing to see how much space he's been able to create for himself. He's such a big body with good hands and good acceleration that these smaller slot halfbacks that are trying to cover him just can't stick with him at all. So if they try and body him up at the line, he blows past him with the speed. And if they try and keep up with him with a smaller guy, he's just so many coverage men that he just kind of calls it and he got it over top. So he's been pretty unstoppable to this point. I'm sure that they'll start looking at some brackets and different things to try and slow him down. But the reality is if they do, Riley will just start throwing to the other side of the field to Darrell Walker and they'll just play the game for the other matchup. So they're going to be pretty tough to stop if they played honest. I mean, I think to be honest, like the only reason why he gets open is because Kenny Stafford's on the field. But uh, (laughs) no, no. I mean, in all seriousness, Duke has been incredible. I mean, you know, I I started watching CFL last year, but, but this year, I mean, there have been some games where every single snap, it feels like he is the very first option. Uh, and that's been pretty incredible to watch. And like you said, Ben, I mean, he gets he gets such wonderful separation from these guys. He's such a big body receiver uh, that can just catch the ball really, really well uh, when the weather's not too terrible. I mean, he he's just a sure-handed guy who's – going to get you points you know week in and week out it, it wouldn't surprise me if he really starts getting up there in that upper 9k range lower 10k range at some point maybe even just given the fact that he has been so reliable every single week yeah we'll see where it winds up at there's those of us who've been around cfl dfs since the first season probably remember the chris williams month of 2016 when he got up to i think 12k as a receiver by the time it was done, and still you couldn't fade him every week because he was putting up literally 40 to 45 points every week. And every week you told yourself, this is the week that it's going to stop. And finally it did. He blew out a knee. It was the end of the season. But his four-week run there that took him all the way from, about, I think, 7K pricing up to 12 
was just an unbelievable run. And yeah, Duke's press certainly hasn't proceeded quite as quickly. He started out right around 7,100 this year, I think, and now he's up to 9,100 this last week. He's only rising. It'll probably keep going up, but I can't see it getting up to that. 12k range again anytime soon he's got a beautiful floor i think he's right around 23 points as his floor game this year but uh his ceiling probably isn't quite as high as wood because he doesn't have quite the same high-end speed to go for just straight nine routes time and time and time again but he's as dependable as there's been in this league this season certainly a lot of nice opportunities to put him in lineups every week with the most dependable quarterback around with riley and just let other people make the mistakes so it's funny you mentioned letting the other people make the mistakes, Ben. So I play one lineup every week. I, I generally play my allotment of cash games and throw it into tournaments. Uh, if you had to guess how many times I've rostered Duke Williams this year, uh, what would you think that number would be? Don't make me say less than four. Uh, you, it, I, I will make you say less than one oh, time this season. I'm sad for you. Oh, man. It, it's bad. I, yeah, I know. How dare me? I, I it last I like week, you don't even know you. I know, and I, I for what I know. Ask Ask Ben how many times he's Ask Ben how many times he's played Duke too. Uh, I played Duke. I, I played Duke. Uh, I played Duke enough to do uh, pretty well. Uh, I've I've faded Duke though uh, a couple of times. It's it's come back to bite me. I, I think I faded Duke last week, which uh, which was a little rough. I went the Stafford route. Yeah, that uh, that tremendous receiver they've got there. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Uh, well, hey, guys. Um, I think we've had a really good conversation here. Um, why don't we do this real quick before we get out of here? Why don't we leave everybody with kind of one little tidbit or one little thought about CFL DFS? And I'm going to kind of steal everybody's thunder here. Uh, ben Kramer alluded to it earlier. Um, but I will make a Dan Bach uh, kind of Roto-Grinders uh, morning pod or whatever he used to do statement about Mike Riley. If the you're not playing him in your cash games, you're just going to lose, guys. Mike Riley has the highest floor and the highest ceiling in the CFL. Um, please play him in your cash games if you like money every single week. If you are playing cash games, um, he's as reliable as it comes. And that would be my first piece of advice to anybody getting into CFL is to just simply play Mike Riley. So uh, Ben Wexelman, why don't I throw it to you? And then Ben Kramer, you can uh, you can close this out with the thoughts and then we'll uh, come back for a little bit of parting thoughts. Yeah, it, you know, in, in terms of a specific player, you know, obviously I'd said Banks before, but um, James Wilder, week in, week out, great player. Uh, overall, though, uh, it's just a, a, a strategy or a high-level thought here is – Actually, watch the games. Uh, I, I feel like that's given me uh, a, a nice edge because there's almost only so much you can glean from box scores. Like Ben Kramer had alluded to previously, I mean, there's a lot of folks that just game log watch, and you know, it, you can have one or two really lucky plays that make you look like a wonderful play in a given week, and then the next week you might throw up a donut. So, uh, or or a bagel with uh, Mr. Bagel Town, um, but you know, really watch the games and and see who's getting those targets week in and week out, so you can add them to your lineups uh, in, in the rest of the weeks uh, for the for the remainder of the season. Yeah, and even if you can't watch the games live, even just looking at the stat sheet to see who got targeted on a weekly basis is probably a step up on seventy percent of the competition regularly in the CFL contests. Like, let's not forget the Drew Wolitarski phase of the first four weeks of the season. 
where he had three catches <laughs> in three weeks yep. with three yep. touchdowns. Yep. And he went from being a 3K min price to a 5K price. And people still wanted him in cash games on a regular basis. I can't even count how many times I had to tell people on Twitter asking questions, don't play this guy in cash games. He's a field side wide receiver that lines up 30 yards away from the quarterback. That's not going to get more than two targets or three targets in a game. He locked into a couple touchdowns. It's not going to happen again. And every year we get kind of our Frisman Jacksons that start out the season amazingly with a week or two from that field side wide receiver position, whether it was Nick Dembski last year or Deontay Spencer had a couple of massive games a couple of years ago. But folks who line up out there, if you look at the depth chart, they just don't get the targets because they line up so much farther away from their quarterback that it's hard to get them a ball consistently without it getting picked off. So seeing the depth charts every week, knowing who's lining up where, taking a look at who's actually getting targets, makes all the difference. It's really not that tough to get a pretty significant edge on the competition by doing more than just game log watching. Yep, and, and, and the one thing also that I will add is the teams actually do a remarkable job of keeping everyone updated on social media. Yeah. So it's, you know, d- despite it not being as high profile of a league as the NFL, there are still... You know, there, there's still a lot of information streams to be had, whether it's through the official feeds or through some beat reporters on Twitter. It, it's very easy to capture the, the information in a given week. And, and they usually give you, despite the Luke Tasker deal this evening, they usually give you uh, information about inactives and whatnot, you know, well in advance. So, so you know what's going to happen in a given evening or in a given three or four game slate. So, just kind of keeping a pulse on the social media like you would for any other daily fantasy sport uh, is one more thing that I don't think a lot of people end up doing, but it, that'll pay dividends down the line as well. Yeah, and it makes a big difference, too, that it's still a relatively new game to fantasy sports with CFL, that the beat writers don't hate you yet. You can actually yep. hit them up, up on Twitter. And they'll get back to you, and they're interested in conversing about their team on Twitter because not too many people ask intelligent questions to them on Twitter as far as who's doing what, who's lining up, and they're quite happy. Like, uh, if you take a look, there's lots of good lists on Twitter of who some of the good beat writers are, but Danny Austin out of Calgary is a great guy to follow. He's always giving updates from practice. Herb Zerkowski out of Montreal, he might hate me a little bit. But he's still actually a pretty good dude, and he does good work. And anybody who keeps writing every day for the Montreal Alouettes, despite the fact that they are just the worst franchise in North America, regardless of any sport, is quite something. The man is to be uh, commended for keeping a job going there. So, yeah, there's a few guys that are just wonderful follows and really easy to interact with on Twitter. And uh, I'll throw one more out there, Dave from uh, Ched Radio on Twitter for the Edmonton Eskimos. Just another awesome guy who gets back to you in a matter of minutes if you have any questions about the Eskimos. So it's worth checking out. and It's worth putting in the legwork because they're certainly happy to help you out and just grow the game and grow the interest in the game. All right. Well, I think we have thoroughly covered uh, the CFL here and CFL DFS. Um, so we want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, and Ben and I would like to thank Ben Kramer for hopping on for us. Uh, this was certainly uh, a lot of help, and I know it will help grow mine game as I as I kind of go forward throughout the CFL season. Uh, ben Kramer, why don't you give another quick plug to all of the great work that you're doing over at Daily Roto and let uh, also let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter and uh, all over the internet. 
Yeah, for sure. It's dailyroto.com slash CFL. gives you the weekly breakdowns for the slates, including positional stuff and game notes, including weather and applied team totals and all those kind of things. And if you check back through our archives, like I mentioned, there's a lot of different stuff there that we've written over the last few years that give primers on what the game is like and some of this and what it looks like to read a depth chart effectively to know who's going to be playing there and what their roles might look like. If you're looking for me on Twitter, you can find me at Ben Yamen, B-E-N-Y-A-M-E-N on Twitter. And uh, happy to chat with you anytime about whatever it happened to be. Like I said, I'm just interested in growing interest in this game and see where we can take it to. Thanks for having me on, guys. Talk about it a little bit. It's good times. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, All right. I think that that's going to do it for our second episode of the Fantasy What Podcast. Um, Make sure that you follow the show on Twitter. We uh, had a little bit of a mix-up with our, uh, our Twitter account last week, but we're officially up and running now. And you can find us at fantasy underscore what. Uh, you can follow myself on Twitter at John underscore T underscore Sousa. And you can follow Ben Wexelman on Twitter at B Wexelman. That's B-W-E-I-X-L-M-A-N-N. And uh, yeah, that'll do it. Thank you for joining us this week, guys. And uh, we'll be back soon. Take it easy.